What's up, my duelists? It's the Early Prelims Podcast coming to you on Monday, May 1st, International Workers' Day. So, on that matter, I just... I just wanted to say to every worker that listened to this to this podcast to just stay together, stay strong for what's fair for every worker. And let's get into the show because we have a lot to talk about. Um, so I'm going to go a bit rapid fire on this one. Um, we have a lot of stuff going on last week. Uh, Recent had their landmark line of uh, events, had one of those. Uh, Mikuru Asakura versus Juntaro Uchiki had a fight. Uh, did not watch that one. Um, UFC, obviously, I'm going to, to recap that card soon. Octagon had an event. Uh, didn't watch that one too, but interested in the, in the main event of that one. Uh, haven't seen that Lucen Keita fight, but I've heard he's, he's interesting. Cage Warriors had a, a main event between fellow, fellow UFC veterans, Reese McKee versus Jim Wojciech. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into the, into the UFC event that was the, the big thing that happened, I guess, in the world of MMA, we'll talk about something else that happened in the in the weekend. But yeah, um, not a very good event, to be honest. Uh, that was to be expected. The card wasn't very good on paper. Didn't deliver much in practice. Uh, we all we all knew the main event here was very good. Uh, did not live up to my expectations, but it was still a good fight. Uh, so Song Yadong defeats Ricky Simone. Knockout on uh, the fifth round, very early, like one minute in. Uh, very interesting fight. Um, to me, it was I was a bit disappointed with Simon's performance. Uh, Song Yadong looked very good. He's a very consistent fighter. That's why he, he's always winning all the time. Um, he has flaws, but they're hard to exploit. And... He, he always does the good, the stuff that he does well. He always does. No, it doesn't matter the opposition. Uh, Simon, on the other on the other hand, uh, starting to to think more and more that he's on the inconsistent side. Uh, so the the dynamic of this fight was, to me at least, is that Ricky Simon was not comfortable fighting someone that it was as fast and as strong as him. Um, he likes like to be in the bully inside the cage. He talked about that during the build-up. And once he realized that it was it was not going to be easy to, to bully Son Yadong because he's very strong, he's very fast, and also has technical skills to match him. Um, I think he he lost a lot of confidence. Ricky was doing good stuff with the jab. Uh, Son Yadong was trying to, to counter the jab, was trying to, to time him with the cross counter, following the cross counter with the uppercuts. Uh, so classic Sonya Dong combinations, uh, throwing fast hands. I think Ricky was a bit scared of committing to the punches. Uh, he was landing good with the jab, uh, but did not follow with combinations. I mean, a, a lot of staples of, of Ricky Simone game were not present. Uh, the double dipping jab to get to the takedowns wasn't really there. Uh, always, always through the follow-ups to the jab 
to set up takedowns with not a lot of intention. Song Yadong very good at reading what's a feint and what's not a feint, so he was always ready to to defend those positions. Uh, Ricky Simon then didn't want to walk forward a lot, and I th I think if you want to take Song Yadong down, that and that's a a big ask. I mean, has very strong takedown defense and very athletic, as I've said a few times already. You want to you want to push him back, like if you if he has space to space to move back to sprawl to take angles, very hard to take Song Yadong down. He's he's strong, he's fast, and he has good instincts. Um, in fact, one of the few times that Ricky Simon got like a very clean takedown was after getting hurt, and he started exchanging in the pocket with Song. Uh, with big punches and that exposed the hips of Song, Ricky was able to get a takedown. Song was able to get back to his feet after that uh, somewhat easily. Uh, Ricky like established like solid side control and Song. Uh, there were uh, next to the cage. Song started to posting one hand on the cage. Uh, I think he grabbed an underhook. I don't remember well, but he got up uh, very somewhat easy. I think that discouraged Simon and Simon. Simon went, I think, I don't know if it was like he was shook on the first round. A first round that he fought like decently well, I thought he won that. Um, but then he didn't fight like the right fight. Uh, so Simon was trying to jab, circling on the outside, allowing like Sonia Long to pressure. The idea, I, th I think it was um, Oyama in his corner that said that like just circle like he's going to give you the takedown moving in and I don't think that's true. Song Yadong stays has very solid footwork uh, when it comes to pressuring. Uh, he's not amazing at corralling people with his strikes, but if you see like the way he moves his feet, uh, he's always pivoting with the back foot, taking side steps. Uh, he's very responsible, and when he starts combinations, he always has his like his shoulders and his hips underneath him. He doesn't really get like he doesn't get over his strikes, and that's. That's what usually give people takedowns. He leaps, but he leaps very responsibly, despite not using a lot of like small shots to set up his leaps. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was very hard to to pull that off, especially because like Sonia Dong was not respecting the jab because Ricky wasn't wasn't feigning a lot with the jab, wasn't giving variety, and was not putting like follow up shots. So we saw we saw Song like eating a lot of jabs, but hearing hearing Ricky back with with harder bigger shots all the time um other than that Song Yadong as I said like not great at pressuring I mean decent footwork when it comes to pressure but he's not great at moving people into shots but we saw a, a little bit of improvement here he was showing like a like a little like a snap kick to the body that was very good he should use that more to push people to the cage same with the jab uh, decently mechanically, but doesn't use it that much. Uh, one thing that I like it is that he he made the read that Ricky was circling to to his right, so uh, Song's left, and uh, Song was attacking him with the left hook to the body, attacking space. Very good tactic. So yeah, I mean, Song Yadong, despite uh, obviously very young, but he has like a million fights. Uh, still making improvements, like very small improvements at this stage of his career, despite being young. Um, I don't think we will see like huge changes. Uh, he's more or less a finished product that is making like 
like polishing certain stuff of his game. But yeah, uh, great performance by Song Yadong. Uh, disappointed by, by Ricky. Uh, I think the fight showed us that Song was a very rough matchup for Ricky. But I think Ricky fighting a, a better fight could have had a, a better chance. Uh, in the fifth round, Ricky just left it all in the line. Tried to go hard for it. But it was too late because he was taking damage through the fight. Uh, he gave... Uh, song a lot of reads, so when he finally took the risk, he got finished. Um, I mean, props to Ricky Simone to try to win the fight at the end and not like fight to not get knocked out. I mean, sometimes in a in a in a fight with like big stakes like the one we had here, especially because I think it had bigger stakes for Ricky than it than it did for Song. Uh, Ricky really needed to win this. Uh, it didn't it didn't pan out at the end, but it was a a good effort there at the end. Uh, Co-main event saw Cayo Bojalio fighting Michel Oleksenchuk. Uh, Oleksenchuk was doing his, his thing of pressuring, going to the body here and there. Um, I think Oleksenchuk doesn't really like the close stance matchup. Cayo uh, also a southpaw. Um, he was trying to hit him with like very like stupid ass uh, overhands. Cayo, uh, to his credit, looked okay on the feet. A lot of single shots, but he's very athletic. I think he he's a lot smarter than I thought. I mean, and he looked smart in in previous fights, like against uh, Petrosian as well. Uh, but he's looks he's composed on the feet. He knows he's very athletic. He knows he can take he can take a punch, and that makes him dangerous. Uh, on the feet, it wasn't that competitive. I mean, Mitchell was basically winning every exchange. But then, uh, and he was defending the takedowns very well earlier. Um, he defended a uh, single leg. It was great. Like, he, uh, like, changed the level with Cayo, started fighting the grips immediately when the left got leave up, limp leg out of it, uh, disarmed, the, disarmed the hands. It was good stuff. But then Cayo uh, started, like, Sorry, like Caio has very decent cardio for the way he fights because a lot of like flying knees, stupid shit like that. And uh, Michel started to get tired. Um, I don't know what what was it, but but yeah, I mean Caio stay there, stay composed. Michel started tiring. Caio drives with the double leg, very powerful double leg, driving to the cage, and and gets him with the. Was it a rear naked choke or the arm triangle? I, I think he was threatening with, with those two. It was the rear naked choke at the end, yeah. It was the rear naked choke. So, yeah, Cayo interesting for the division. Uh, obviously, he's still very raw, but his grappling is very solid. Uh, and the striking looks... Being confident and, and being like somewhat smart uh, can can make up for a lot on the feet. So, interesting to see what... What Cayo does, looking forward, he's calling for a fight against Derek Bronson. Let's see if he gets that. I think he wins that. He wins that at this stage, honestly. Uh, Bronson, the cardio is not great. Uh, he's looking shaky on the feet. Uh, obviously on the way down. But we'll see. Uh, Rodolfo Vieira uh, uh, submitted Cody Brondage with a beautiful arm triangle. Uh, Biera was got rocked bad like three times on the first round. 
tried to go for like a deep half sweep when he was rocked. Brundage was hitting him super hard. Eventually got to a single leg, got up to his feet. Um, then got a takedown at the, uh, the final minutes of the first round. Uh, second round goes, Piera pushes to defense. He's looking for a... He's going single leg and high crotch um, doing that change up. Uh, Cody Brundage finds a pretty decent... Uh, I mean, no, it was good. It was a good guillotine. He pulled guard onto Vieira, like, I know, I know when guys have, have very good guillotines, and sometimes, like, people, who are, for example, always make fun of a Dustin Poirier, but you, you can tell that Dustin Poirier has actually a very good guillotine, and it's a bit of, like, fighting guys that are actually very good at defending guillotines, and a bit of battle axe, sometimes you just don't get it. I guess, for example, uh, Habib, the Habib one was very, very tight. Um, he could have used that one to, to sweep. To sweep, but he did not. <laughs> and, and in this one, uh, Brundage, very strong guillotine. He has a, a good guillotine. Pulls guard, goes. Viera immediately puts the top of his head on on the ground to to make it harder for Brundage to get the the spine the spine flexion going to 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 put some crank on the guillotine. He relieves some of the pressure there, where he feels like the the strength of the of the squeeze is is, is going down a little bit he he goes for a hard hand on the on the elbow to push and then he takes the risk and escapes uh doing the like look at the ceiling thing to get out of the guillotine a uh, risky because uh with a with a very close guillotine you can end up like making it making it tighter but yeah, I mean, Biera obviously knew what he was doing. He said he, he did a lot of, of guillotine defense on camp. Obviously, he was expecting it eventually because he was going to look for takedowns so insistently. And guys with good guillotines go go for their guillotines. And yeah, and then he gets to, to the mount, does the, the rear naked choke, arm triangle uh, change up, eventually gets the, um, the arm triangle. Very deep, beautiful technique. Obviously, it is Biera and gets the tap, so good for him. Uh, before that, we have Fernando Padilla uh, knocking out a uh, technical knockout of Julian Rosa. Uh, Padilla, very, very long, like taller than Rosa, skinnier. And, and yeah, Rosa, you know, it, he, like, he kind of needs to get going, didn't get to, the, to do that. Uh, Padilla, like, throws, like, Two combinations, Rosa backs out of range with the change with his chin up on his feet. Padilla just shifted with like long punches and I think it was the length that made it like like uh, trip Rosa off. Uh, Padilla gets two huge knockdowns and the fight was stopped. Uh, Rosa did not look out to me. Uh, probably was going to get knocked out either way but I think if you're not like, if you are still on the fight, you should be allowed to fight. I mean, he he was already taking damage. Like, I mean, not a terrible stoppage, but I can see why Rosa, his team, his fans are a, a little bit upset with this one. Um, don't don't have much to say about Padilla. I, like, I don't know if he's good, if he's bad, but I, at least he has some power going on and very long for the division. Before that, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, Pesado, uh, defeated Waldo Cortez Acosta. So Waldo Cortez Acosta, uh, former like baseball player, I think, um, 
All the fights look kind of the same. He's he has a very decent jab for heavyweight. Uh, puts together the one-two. Uh, he's quick. Um, he's pretty agile, especially for like he looks like a big fat guy. And um, and the thing is that because he jabs so much, everyone kicks the shit out of his leg, and he usually like uh, tops it up, starts putting the jab together, and wins anyway. Uh, the Lima started kicking the shit out of his leg. Uh, it was working very well. He was countering the jab. It was good stuff. Then tried to wrestle a little bit on the first round, second round. Uh, spent a lot of energy trying to wrestle uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta here. Uh, started getting tired. I thought live like, okay, <laughs> the Lima is going to find the, the way to lose this fight. But he just lost the, lost the third round. Don't know how, man, because Cortez Acosta leg was fried it was torn to pieces but but yeah i mean i think without the the wrestling the lima would have an easier time to be honest on this fight cortez agosta to his credit looked decent on the ground like working his way up using his athleticism and basic jiu-jitsu technique to get up but yeah i mean finally it cost him to be a boring fuck to be honest like <laughs> i don't know why i dislike Cortez Costa, he's a decent prospect, but uh, he's very annoying. Like he, a lot of taunting when he's getting his his kick, like his leg kicked the shit off, and he's just like throwing one twos and not finishing people here in the UFC. So, yeah, I don't, not a fan, not a fan, decent fighter, but not a fan at all. Before that, we have Trey Waters defeating Josh Quinlan by decision. The story of the fight is that Trey Waters is very, very long. Uh, set up a distance, steps back in an angle, tries to clack you with the right hand. And Quinlan had zero, zero uh, meaningful ways to enter range to land his powerful, his powerful punches. So Waters kept him at bay the whole fight. Um, only thing that happened in this fight is that um, uh, Quinlan went for a lat drop at the end of the second round and it failed. And that's very funny. I know you guys like that. And that's it. I mean, Warriors looked decent. So uh, a lot of some of his reactions when Quinlan, like by chance, entered range look a bit sketchy. But at least he knows how to move his head as his feet a little bit, even if, if it was a bit sloppy. It would be interesting to say Warriors fighting someone that can close the distance or someone that is somewhat as long as him. Or that, that he looked okay. Uh, before that, we have Martin Budai versus Jay Collier. A terrible fight. Uh, Collier starts, uh, he's beating the shit out of Budai. But the thing is that Collier is not a heavyweight. He's a very fat middleweight. Uh, and he's not in shape because he's so overweight. Uh, he probably has some, some stuff going on in his life. Obviously, as a pro athlete, you don't want to be in this shape. Like you can tell, like, Budai also obviously very fat. <laughs> and this fight is funny because Collier used to be, like, 200 pounds shredded. And now he's, like, 265. And Martin Budai used to be a pro gamer <laughs> that was, like, 350 pounds, something like that. And and now he's, like, in heavyweight shape. Uh, so they, they met. Hopefully they... They're, they were meeting like at a crossroads here and Collier is about to get fatter and Buddha is skinnier. I don't know, but but yeah, I mean, Collier looked decent at, at first. He has a good lead hand, especially the jab and the left hook. 
Uh, one thing is that Collier was not going to the body and was very easy to go to the body against Budai because he was putting the high guard up. Uh, Collier eventually like just got tired and Budai started working him because Budai, despite being like very big, decent cardio because he's moving left frame that's that's more suited to him. You can tell like both guys are overweight, but Budai is like an actual an actual heavyweight, and Collier is just an out of shape guy. Uh, I don't know, man. Collier potential, but he's just finding out the wrong division. I I hope I hope stuff in his personal life can. And I'm not saying this as a as, as a this is not fat phobia, you know. Like if he feels like happier being this way. I understand that uh, it's sometimes very hard as uh, people sometimes is very miserable uh, trying to lose weight. Uh, I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I don't know if he was miserable when he was fighting at 185 or 205. But but yeah, I mean, he, he needs to to get in. And I'm not saying like physically, like aesthetically, I, I, he needs to get in better shape when it comes to his conditioning. Like, because if he gets the conditioning going, he could be a decent heavyweight. Uh, but but right now, as it is, he gets tired fighting his own fight, and when when that happens to you, you're you're not going places really. Before that, Cody Durden defeated uh, Charles Johnson. Durden put on a very like grindy performance. Uh, Johnson like. Took too much time getting going. I mean, that's kind of his thing. He's good defensive wrestler, but he make. The, I thought that was uh, Dominic Cruz got it right in the commentary. Is that Charles Johnson when they are wrestling, like straight up wrestling, the, his defense very good. Then, then they get to the ground, and when people go for like jujitsu positions that you don't actually see in wrestling, he gets a bit sloppy. He can he can get stuck and he knows how to escape like from top, for cycle troll or for half guard he knows how to get up but he makes more mistakes in that realm than when he's straight up wrestling. Uh, Durden to his credit was very relentless. Uh, he's a decent, a strong wrestler, very strong for flyway actually, and was using the threat of the the takedown to land some hands uh, or stumble. Charles Johnson that is clearly the better striker at one point. Uh, Johnson won like the the last minute of the second round. I thought he was starting to get going, but then Durden just grant him. Um, I think he was too tired of defending so much uh, at the beginning of the of the I mean the the, the first half of the fight. Uh, good win for Durden. To be honest, I wanted Charles Johnson to win. I like Charles Johnson, but but nothing nothing to say here. Like Durden fought the right fight, and uh, he's very interesting. Uh, a very interesting challenge for all the strikers in the division. Before that, we have uh, Irina Alexeva against Alexieva. I don't know uh, versus Stephanie Eger. Uh, Alexieva, her nickname is Russian Ronda, uh, like as in Ronda Rousey. The fight begins and Alexieva is just like throwing kicks, and it's very weird because Ronda Rousey never kicked. Like he had like bad hips and I don't know. Uh, I made the terrible like boomer meme of <laughs> in Soviet Russia, Ronda kicks you. Um, so yeah, I mean that was very bad. I'm sorry for everyone. And yeah, but yeah, he got like taken out for the clinch and then got us. Sub- no, no, no. He went for the leg. He went for the leg. Uh, Eger had the uh, I don't know if uh, double uh, over unders or body lock from the back, 
Um, Irina just rolled for the leg lock from there and got the submission. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't, don't have much to say about that. Before that, we have Marcus McGee making his debut in very short notice against Journey Newson. McGee looks looked very good here. Uh, athletic, strong, uh, not a lot of not a lot of nuisance uh, to his game, but he moved his his feet very well. He put this, his strikes together, not in big combinations, but he he played a lot of of the changeup between like pairs of big strikes. Um, then got the knockdown, went for the submission on the ground. Good stuff. I mean, good for McGee. Good addition for the division. Uh, it was con con contested at one forty, but there. Uh, bantamweights so yeah bantamweight just keep getting better i mean the the matchmaking not great but at times but the roster at bantamweight is amazing i think that's it for Tony newson on the ufc uh, i think he had potential but i don't know man uh maybe he's a gas tank i don't know maybe it's something mental he looks like a skilled athletic fighter but he he just can't seem to put it together and on the opener, like Jamie Lee Horth defeated uh, Haley Cohen. Pretty decent fight. Uh, Horth looked fine on the feet. Uh, she was the orthodox in this open stance matchup, but he was sending some brutal body kicks on Cohen. Uh, Cohen had a few takedowns. Uh, with one minute left in this fight, uh, Jamie Lee Horth was the underdog. On the betting on the live betting lines, and that was very weird because I thought he she had the the fight on the back, um, so that was a bit concerning, a bit sketchy. But yeah, Horth won the decision, and that was it. It wasn't a great event, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's get into some news. Uh, so Figueredo is out of his fight against Manel Cap. Uh, he's not getting. Uh, American clearance. Uh, Cap uh, a few weeks ago made some very like racist remarks about how his ancestors aren't weak as Figueredo's are and some stuff. It was very funny. Uh, he's still talking shit about Figueredo, so uh, I don't know if Cap has a fight for 290, but hopefully they get one for him because interesting. I mean, f fun to watch. Uh, Arnold Allen wants uh, uh, Ryan Ortega. Is it Brian or Ryan? I, he hasn't fought in so long. It's Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Allen wants Brian Ortega in a main event. And I'm all for it. Good fight. Make it happen. Hopefully soon, though. I mean, I, yeah, probably Allen doesn't need that much time to recover for the Holloway fight. And Ortega hasn't seen action since he... He got the arm injury against Jair. Uh, Coach uh, Longo uh, is saying like this is like kind of a lose lose situation for Sterling, and I I agree to be honest. If Sterling beats Sehudo, Sehudo is small, Sehudo is old, and Sehudo is rusty. The excuses are all there, and to be honest, they don't necessarily even have to be excuses. I mean. It, we need to see how Sehuda looks in the fight. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the win is always going to be tainted in that way. And if Sehuda wins, it's a huge deal. Like, he gets to be, like, he gets to progress even more as a pound-for-pound all-time talent in the eyes of most people. So yeah, I mean, Sterling, it's a, 
it's a fight that will sell more than probably any other fight except like Shan O'Malley, I guess. But but it's not like a great fight for his. It's not a great fight for his legacy, I would say. I mean, it, I don't know. It depends on how you spin it, but that's how I see it. Like Sehudo has just many built-in excuses if Sterling wins. Um. Anthony Smith says that uh, Pereira is going to struggle at 205. Uh, maybe. Maybe, but against like the good fighters. Um, I don't see, to be honest, Anthony Smith like wrestling Alex Pereira to the ground. And how many wrestlers are there in the division? I don't know. It could be, it could be, but I don't see it against him in particular. I think Pereira... Knocks the fuck out of Anthony Smith. Uh, so we have Bird Knuckle Fighting Championship, BKFC on the weekend. Uh, I only watched three fights. Uh, ben Rodwell fought Josh Copeland, uh, who who fought twice in the UFC like like twenty years ago. <laughs> and Ben Rodwell fucked him up from the car ties, and it was it was pretty cool. Uh, Copeland started the fight fighting very athletically, like darting in and out, huge movements. I knew he was going to tower if he didn't catch Rothwell. Rothwell still has a very good chin somehow, I don't know how. And then he started like, just using like the color time, head pressure to use the free hand to like, just land nasty uppercuts to the to the head and hooks to the body. And, and yeah, uh, Copeland corner decided to not throw him to the wolves on the in the third round, and I thought that was the good decision. He was getting mauled. Uh, missed the the Beck Rollins fight, but I watched uh, Eddie Alvarez against Chad Mendes, and that was a great fight. Uh, it was just cool stuff. Uh, a lot of like MMA things going on, the way that Chad Mendes was leaping into range, uh, the way that Eddie was uh, starting most combinations with the right hand, but... But then they got in the pocket and both guys were doing like very crafty stuff. Shad uh, Mendes' hands look very good once in the pocket. Uh, the left hook especially, the counter left hook was looking great. Uh, to his credit, to Eddie Alvarez's credit, the jab and the left hook, one of his best showings in this fight. It's very funny when MMA fighters do not have a lead hand at all. And then they fight in boxing, bare knuckle. And they are forced to develop a left hand in boxing. Like you could... You got, you could have done that in your MMA career, you know. It's not necessary to do a boxing camp to to learn how to jab a left hook. And not to say that Eddie never had a jab of a left hook, but he was so so a right hand dependent fighter in MMA. Watch his Conor McGregor fight, especially in the Southpaw uh, long Southpaw matchup. He was not getting to use his lead hand at all in that one. He was doubling on right hands, and that was where Connor was countering. But yeah, I mean, it was lovely stuff between two veterans on their last leg. Uh, Chad Mendes saying that he's going to to retire, he literally said, I'm going to hang him up. And uh, to that, I gotta say that you cannot hang up your gloves because it is bare knuckle. So I guess Chad Mendes is going to be fighting forever for this organization. Uh, main event, so Mike Perry against Luke Rockhold. It was a fucking mess. Uh, Luke was catching him pretty good with the with the check right hook and stumbled him pretty bad with the left hand at one point and then Perry rocked him back 
Then at the second round, Perry was just going inside the clinch, like rushing into him and, and hitting him with big shots on the exit. And I think he broke like a teeth or something of Luke. But Luke like just took out his mouth guard and said he couldn't continue. Very anticlimactic. Conor McGregor got into the the BKFC ring, had a stare down with Mike Perry, said the organization is great, blah blah blah. It was it was a fucking circus. Uh, I doubt McGregor is going to be fighting in BKFC, to be honest. Uh, he's still under contract with the UFC after all. And the, the negotiations are going to be hard. Uh, the UFC is not going to let him go to do this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think the UFC will be fine with co-promoting with KFC. They were fine doing it with Mayweather because it is Mayweather and it was such a big attraction and it gave them so much money. But I don't think they're going to do it with a with an organization that works most like them. And it's a competition to the UFC in that kind of sense that boxing is not in the way that boxing works. So, yeah, I, I just think this is all performatic, to be honest. Uh, remember when Alex Pereira was like the last man to defeat Israel Adesanya and he made his, he made his UFC debut? When now Artem Bakitov, the last person to beat Alex Pereira in kickboxing, he's moving to MMA now. Bakitov is 32 years old, so make of that whatever you think. But yeah, I mean, the, the kickboxer takeover goes on, not really, but... Um, Brian Kelleher, uh, injured, has going to put his career on pause right now. Uh, sad stuff, Kelleher is always fun. I mean, he's, he's pretty safe to say that he's on the downside right now, but... Yeah, I mean, he has pretty bad injury. He's he's going to be sidelined for a while. He's hoping to make a return, but he's not very sure. So it's probably some some very serious stuff. Uh, so yeah, that sucks. Nicky Rodriguez. Uh, so that's this is the like the jank to the yink of the kickboxing invasion. Uh, Nicky Rodriguez, one of the best rappers in the world. He's moving not to MMA, but to the WWE, so... Yeah, I mean, kickboxers to MMA, jiu-jitsu aces to pro wrestling? I don't know. Uh, yeah, too bad, I mean, I want to see the, the best kickboxers and the best grapplers move to MMA eventually. Uh, some fight announcements. We have Vicente Luque will fight Rafael Dos Anjos. Very weird fight. Both guys pretty past it. Uh, Luke, big welterweight. Those can can be a problem for the Sanchez. The Sanchez probably just wrestles him at this stage because Luke take down defense and grappling on the ground has have been looking awful, and that's sad because Luke was very sturdy defensive wrestler on his prime and also a very decent scrambler. Like he. He lost time on his back here and there. He was like patient, but he always had like those, especially with the front chokes. And he had a lot of interesting entries for that. Uh, going like using the either the overhook or the underhook to start look to start looking for that uh, Dars Dars choke and use it not not only to get the choke but to get to his feet. 
and, and also like pretty decent at wall walking on his prime and all of that seemed to be shot right now but the Sancho's looking a bit fragile too I mean he he had it's not that the shit is bad but the reflexes aren't completely there so this could be uh, I I just hope someone gets to look good here because it's a big chance that both look both guys look pretty bad uh, people are very excited I'm not not too on board on this one but at least Luke is not getting thrown against like Jack de la Madalena or something at least same for Dos Anjos so um, I guess this is fine matchmaking uh, Max Griffin will fight Michael Morales Morales a very young uh, Equatorian fight um, Max Griffin a good test probably going to Max Griffin probably going to lose this one but but at least it's a guy that will will fight very hard and probably won't be discouraged by Morales like length and athleticism and we have Jai Herbert against Fares Siam on on UFC London and this one I could fight because through the both lanky strikers, uh, fun fighters, good fight. I mean, uh, this one's good. So yeah, this this weekend we have a few events. Obviously, Sterling versus Cejudo, UFC 288. Uh, not gonna not gonna talk too deep about this one because I do a whole podcast making a preview of every single fight on this one. It's called the full preview. Uh, wait for it, like. Tuesday or Wednesday, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, main event is Sterling versus Cejudo. On the main card, we have uh, another five rounds fight between Belal Mohamed versus Gilbert Burns to decide the number one contender for the for the Walter World title. Uh, Jessica Andrade, Jessica Andrade uh, drops to strawweight again to fight Jan Xiaonan. Good fight. Ivloyev is fighting Bryce Mitchell. Very interesting fight as well. And then we have, oh, an opening the main card. We have Kron Gracie making his return against Charles Jordan. Probably going to be exciting fight. Main event of the of the prelims, we have Drew Dover versus Matt Frebola in what should be like guaranteed fireworks. Then we have Devin Clark versus Kennedy and Sejuku. Please kill me. I'm being held hostage here. Someone help me. Please, I'm begging you. Chaos Williams is fighting Rolando Bedoya. Is Bedoya like, yeah, making his UFC debut? Uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Birna Jandidirova. Interesting to see how Rodriguez bounces from his brutal Keolos to, to Amanda Lemos. Parker Porter is fighting another fat guy. Um, Ikram Aliskerov is fighting Phil Hoss. Shagas Chumagulov is fighting Rafael Esteban. Just Joe Holmes fighting Claudio Rivero. And the opening is very good one, actually. Um, Willie Cat Daniel Santos is fighting Johnny Muniz Jr. And that one, that one is a good one. Also, because this this week is stacked, we have Rising or Rising. I don't know how you guys... Um, just because it's Japanese, I, date, I tend to see Rising. But obviously, it is Rising is making a... Uh, it's a thing with the, the, the rising, the English word, I guess. Uh, Kaya Sakura is fighting Yuki Motoya. Cool main event. Uh, sadly, only three rounds. You know, the first, uh, the pride thing. 
Naoki Inoue is fighting Juan Archuleta. Another good fight. Cool stuff. Uh, Roberto de Sosa is fighting Spike Carlisle. Like, not a good fight, but one that is probably going to be very funny. I and hopefully de Sosa gets the grappling going. But Glappers against Carlisle. It's always funny because Carlisle is stupidly strong and not, not entirely a bad grappler. So... John Dodson is fighting Tatsuki Saomoto. Um, yeah, well, also Uka Sasaki earlier in the fa in the card. Good, decent card by Rising. And there's also one uh, Johnson, uh, Mighty Mouse, Dimitris Johnson, and Adriano Moraes are finishing off their trilogy. You know, both guys knocking each other with huge knees to the head. Uh, might be Dimitrius Johnson last fight, and uh, it would be a uh, such a great win to go out. To be honest, also in the car we have Stan Fertex, Roberto Soldish, Sage Norcutt. So they putting names on this one. Uh, also, like not in MMA, uh, we have Rod Tank in action in this one. So yeah, I'm probably gonna be watching all those three events. And yeah, that's it. I think we're we're going pretty long already. <laughs> um, if you have any questions for the next podcast, just let me know in our in our Discord server. You can join our Discord server by supporting us through Patreon. Uh, look out for the full preview. I'm doing the tape study already, so I have that ready on the weekend as well. Uh, thank you everyone for watching and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.